Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with LaKenan McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow the show Second City Sports along with our other podcast programming from War, from War Media by simply typing in War on Anchor. That's on your all of your down, download podcast on your podcast platforms, I should say. Sorry, I can't talk today. <laughs> but all your podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, just simply type in your search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing. And we appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like, share, subscribe, <laughs> like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. <laughs> and we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, since um, uh, we're based here in Chicago, and also uh, the snow is finally starting to melt here. I know baseball's in the air. We'll get to a little bit of that later on in the show. But I want to start off with some basketball, and let's focus in on the Chicago Bulls. They split their weekend games against the Philadelphia 76ers in the Sacramento Kings. They defeated the Sacramento Kings on Saturday. We'll review that in just a moment. They lost on the road to the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday, last Friday on ESPN, which the world got a chance to see, 112-105. Zach Levine exploded for another 30-point game, but it was Joel Embiid who's one of the top candidates for MVP this season. He scored 50 points in 35 minutes, including 15-17 from the free throw line. And he was twenty. It was he was seventeen out of twenty six from the field and grabbed seventeen rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. Lakina, the Bulls, despite uh, their injuries, I know Wendell Carter Jr. is back now in the lineup, but despite the Bulls' injuries, I know they, as I mentioned, they getting a couple of guys back. I believe that they played hard on Friday, but Joel Embiid was just too much for them, and, and the Bulls could not do anything to stop. That's the no. conclusion I came up with on Friday. Well, no, I mean, it, it, I think he had a bad back. His back was a little banged up, so the fact that he was able to do that with a bad back I think makes it mm-hmm. even more impressive. I know Simmons was out, so I think that helped a little bit Yeah. Bit for the Bulls. But, look, this, is, this was, you know, the Bulls' only appearance on national television this year. So the fact that they didn't get their butts kicked, I mean, that's all we can really ask for. I know, mm-hmm. I know that some people are upset because I think they're only, I think they're only like twenty-one percent from three. If they had been like at least maybe yeah. twenty-nine or thirty, maybe they would have been able to pull off the upset. But it's okay. I mean, look, I mean, you know, this could have been like a thirty or forty-point, you know, thrashing, which could have what happened. That's been happening with the, with the Bulls the last few years. So the fact that they've been able to show that, hey, you know what, you know, we're starting to, you know, you know, we're starting laying in the foundation here and. You know, they only lost. They only lost by seven. So that's really all you can ask. I mean, Levine had his struggles. You know, you know, shooting wise. But look, look, the fact that they only lost by seven to one of the top teams in the in the East. I think that that's really look, that that's all you really can do. The respect the Bulls. I think I heard somebody say on, on Twitter. <laughs> so look, I, I think you'll take that. Yeah, you will take that. But eventually. If you want to get to where you eventually want to go to as far as being a consistent playoff team and eventually um, 
win a championship, which this Bulls organization is not even close to being there yet. You have to beat some of these teams. Yes, they've come a long way uh, since the start of the season, but you have to take that next step and start beating some of these teams so you can build up your confidence. I know that the Bulls played Milwaukee only once this year, and that was uh, on New Year's Day, and they got their doors blown off. Uh, and I do I believe since that time the Bulls have come a long way? Yes. Do I believe they're a playoff team? I'm still in limbo about that. Obviously, they're much better than a year ago. I think the Bulls will uh, have a great chance to play in that um, tournament, play-in tournament, the 7 through 10 spots uh, later on in the season. I know the second half of the schedule should be released soon. But with that being said, you can tell it's a difference with Billy Donovan, head coach with Jim Boylan. We've been saying that all season. But he started to see some growth in some of these players. And, uh, and that's really the, uh, the, the key of this turnaround. Well, and with Levine especially, I think, you know, the nation mm-hmm. had a chance to see that, you know, look, there actually are some good players on this Bulls team. I mean, Levine's actually, look, we're not saying that he's, you know, superstar level like Giannis or MB, but, you know, he's kind of worked mm-hmm. his butt off to sort of get to, to the point where, look, he is scoring consistently. He's, you know, can pass the ball very well. And I, I think if you're, you know, if you want that buddy superstar, I think he definitely has the sort of, sort of has the the, the tools to do that. So, I mean, I, I think, look, I think that, that that Levine is sort of showing you that, yeah, he should be an all-star. And I'm sure he was able to – I'm glad he was able to show that to Doc and the nation <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, and, and speaking of the weekend for Chicago, as I mentioned earlier, they did bounce back to defeat the Sacramento Kings last Saturday at the UC 122-114. to Zach Levine led the Bulls with 38 points, four rebounds and three assists. Marvin Bagley, the third – Led Sacramento with 26 points and 11 rebounds. Well, watching this game a little bit closely, Lakina, the Bulls, they had a big lead, almost blew it, but they did what they had to do, especially down the stretch to secure the win. Zach Levine, once again, making some huge shots uh, to secure that win for Chicago. Also, too, Thaddeus Young, I mean, you know, had 18 off the bench. and But I think, <laughs> look, sort of, you know, showing his draft stock if they do decide to trade him. Um, you know, mm-hmm. definitely a much better showing for them. You know, Kobe had a Kobe White had a better showing with 19 points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Patrick Williams had a double double. So you know, a little bit of home cooking. I think that definitely helped. You know, even having to come back to Chicago from Philly. But you know, I think look, I think this is what you're supposed to have a bounce back. You know, win against you know a team that you probably should have beaten anyway. So you know, I think you know a good a good performance and. You know, look, Wendell Carter, you know, Junior kind of threw his body around. So, you know, that's a, that that's sort of mm-hmm. what you can ask for from him. So, I, I, look, I think that the, the schedule sets up for the Bulls to kind of, you know, try to sort of be knocking on the door at the 500 mark you know, before the All-Star break or the break, if you will, if you want to say it. So, I, I think if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a Bulls fan at this point, I think you got to be feeling pretty satisfied. They're right there on the cusp of those, you know, those playing, you know, playoff spots. You know, they're, they're, they're playing much better. You know, that's what happens when you have a competent, you know, people. You have a competent coaching staff. So mm-hmm. I, I think you've you got to be feeling pretty good at this point. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. So we talk about the Chicago Bulls in the NBA. Lakina, you brought his name up just a moment ago. I'll ask you first, do you think Thaddeus Young will be traded at the trade deadline, which is March 25th? Do you think he should be traded? 
I think he can't. I think he will be, you know, should be traded, but will he be? I think that's another story. I think Billy Donovan and, you know, AK, they're supposed to be, I guess, in within the next week. I think this week they're supposed to be meeting up to see what the future is and stuff like that. So we'll see what they do. I mean, do you, you know, trade that young and maybe get a young player that probably just needs a change of scenery or do you get a matching mm-hmm. contract? Do you probably get maybe you know, get a, a, a second round pick. It's probably what the best you're going to get for, for a Thad Young. So I don't know. It all, it all depends on what direction they decide to go. Do they want to try and maybe try to tank and try to get back in the lottery? Or do you try to play yourself into those, those uh, playing, you know, playing playoff seeds and then just, you know, build on it that way. So I, I think the best thing about it is that we don't know what they're thinking at this point. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing. I, I kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, had that same thought over the weekend. I heard a couple of people uh, comment on it. Uh, should they, I think from basketball sense, yes, they should trade that. He's young, but it depends on what they get back. It, it sounds like this management for what we're being told that uh, they're going to make better decisions, especially better than what Garpax did for the last several years. We can't really judge them until they start making deals, willing and dealing things along that line. So it sounds like to me the vibes that I'm getting, if the, if the deal makes sense for any player, but that is young we're talking about currently, if the deal makes total sense for the future of this basketball team, you go ahead and do it. But I, it looks like to me that this Bulls team, if they're right on the cusp of uh, making that play-in tournament or becoming a playoff team just for out, outright, um, they're not going to trade everybody at once. It's not going to be a, a, a fire sale. I think we all, all, all could agree on that. So if the right deal comes on, I think that is young. will be traded. But I think this Bulls management will keep this team together to see how will they finish up coming out toward the end of the season. Yeah, they're they're one game out of the eighth spot right now behind Charlotte, the Bulls are. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what direction do they, they decide to do because I think at this point, you know, you're sort of it's, – it's sort of an open hand here. I mean, you, like you said, Sid, do they try to play for those, those you know, one of those play-in spots? Or do you try to maybe take a chance with the lottery mm-hmm. next year since the, you know, the draft class is supposedly deeper – this year so it'll be a bit very interesting what direction they try to go I, I think they could you know we could go either way so we just and like I said we just don't know what what AK's thinking kind of keep things very close to the vest which is probably a, which is a good thing so I, I think yeah <laughs> which is a great thing I you know you know with especially what has happened in recent years so I think the fact that he is sort of you know he's transparent but to a point so I think you got to be you know I think you know Bulls fans should not freak out either way. If they decide to, like, hey, we're going to try to, you know, play in for those, you know, those one of those spots, fine. If they decide to sort of, you know what, we'll trade that young, you know, we'll try to tank the rest of the season and try to get in the, you know, in the top five again. I, I you know, it's, it's up to AK. So it's AK's world. We're just going to have to wait and see what he does. You're absolutely correct on that. Now, before we move on to the rest of the association, I believe that the All-Star Reserves will be announced this week. And Zach Levine's name has been brought up for the last couple of weeks. Lakina, I'll ask you, and then I'll chime in afterwards. Do you believe that Zach Levine will make the All-Star team this year? Um, I think he should. Will he? I don't know. I mean, will Doc, you know, have the – had the final say as to, you know, to make up the rest of the East roster since, you know, they have the best record, the, you know, the, uh, the, the Sixers do, and, you know, he'll have a 
sort of have like the the final say on who gets in. I mean, I, I hope he does. It'd be his first All Star uh, All Star um, game. Uh, well, All All Star selection. So we'll see. What about you? I'm gonna go out and let him say yes. He'll make it because the Bulls, even though as of this recording, they're three games under 500. Hopefully, there'll be two games under 500 because the Houston game would have been played by the time this episode is released. I, the, the the closer to the 500 mark the Bulls are, unlike a year ago, I, I think it increases Zach's chances. Should he be in there? Yes, but he has a heavy competition. Of course, James Harden, who was not elected as a starter, he'll get in as a reserve. Uh, you have Jalen Brown ahead of him. You still have a couple other guys that are ahead of him as well. But I think his chances are better because the Bulls are a competent team. And as you mentioned, they're one game out of the – eighth seed and I think they're a couple of games behind the sixth seed or the fourth seed something to that effect so they're right there now are they one of the top teams in the league no but they're very much improved from a year ago so that's why I believe that Zach Levine will um, make the all-star team I think he's second or third in the league this year with the most 30 plus points a uh, point plus points uh point games this year yep yep I know you went on that tear last year because of course the all-star game was here in Chicago and the Bulls weren't winning most of those games that he was that he was tearing up the league in. So uh, <laughs> uh, this will be sweet redemption as Zach uh, earns that All Star spot. I think he will be very very pleased if he does make the All Star get that All Star spot. Um, the reserves will be announced, I believe, on Wednesday or Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see if he makes it. I think a lot of you know, Bulls fans are going to be hoping that he does, and so will we. Yeah, we'll we'll have either way. We'll have a lot to talk about on Friday. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what what did what sort of you know caught your eye over the weekend in the NBA? Uh, let's start off with the uh, Friday's action. Of course, the, the uh, I did watch this game live via my computer. Uh, the uh, the Jazz and Clippers wrapped up their two game series. The Clippers defeated the Jazz on Friday, one sixteen to one twelve. Donovan Mitchell led Utah once again with thirty five points. Kawhi Leonard chipped in with twenty nine for the Clippers. It was a great back and forth contest. Uh, the Jazz, they are a very good defensive team. I did watch them play defense closely, but the Clippers just had too much down the stretch there. And you can see when Kawhi and Paul George, when they are both healthy in the lineup for the Clippers, they're darn near unbeatable. When one of them is missing, uh, you have a chance there. But when both those guys are healthy in the lineup, the Clippers are pretty much tough to beat. You ever heard not one peep out of them this year as far as behind the scenes nonsense and things to that nature so they're really focusing on basketball and you see why they have one of the top records in the league especially in the western conference yeah so i caught a little bit of that game and the like you said so to me they're they're meshing well together we're not we're not hearing a lot of drama from them and but look i'm at that mindset where showing me in the show me in the playoffs i want to see how mm-hmm. this team does in the playoffs so the regular season really doesn't mean too much of anything at this point i think it just people are just you know Vying for various positions. Home court won't be a big issue either because fans will still not be allowed. If, if not, then, well, I'm sure in some cases it'll be, it's limited because you saw in mm-hmm. some of the southern, southern parts of the country, it is, you know, limited fans. But the game that, that, that kind of caught my eye is um, the Phoenix-New Orleans game. I watched a little bit of that. And, you know, the Suns pretty much, you know, they pulled away, I think. You know, Devin, Devin Booker is showing you why mm-hmm. he's one of the top stars in the league. And you know, I think that I see, you know, the Suns are sort of, you know, 
could they be probably be a thorn in some of those top, you know, West team side, you know, when they make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, they got a nice defense. I mean, Jay Crowder had 20 off the bench in that game. That was a that was a difference. And, you know, less, you know, young, you know, young players, you know, matching up and, you know, seeing what the future of the NBA looks like. So we'll, we'll get to the Pelicans in a second. But, you know, I think that the Suns, you know, power and, you know, the offense was just too much for them. Yeah, one more note from this uh, from last Friday's action: the Denver Nuggets defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers one twenty to one hundred three. Jamal Murray had fifty points off of twenty one of twenty five shooting, including eight of ten from three point range. I did catch a little bit of this one on the replay. Uh, as we talked about all year long, Lakina, the Denver Nuggets need to uh, get it going and. When you play opponents that are uh, lesser than you, you take care of business. And that's what Denver did uh, on Friday. And Jamal Murray, who's been having an up and down season, I know he's been hurt and missed a few games, but it was nice to see him have that performance. I think it's the second or third highest, if I'm not mistaken, uh, field goal percentage in uh, league history uh, for a 50-plus point game. Yeah, That, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, just incredible. Just an incredible shooting performance by him and, you know, He's starting to kind of get better a little bit, you know, because Jokers need some help, you know. Yes. He's sort of, you know, doing a lot of the scoring. So hopefully, you know, Murray has, you know, gone through his struggles and hopefully he can be that consistent second scorer and help Jokic out. Yep, and that's what different needs that they want to make it deep into the playoffs again this year. Now, turning to Saturday's action, the Golden State Warriors lost to the Charlotte Hornets 102 to 100. Uh, the Hornets win is a story, but it wasn't the big story. I did watch some of this game from the be uh, at the beginning. Steph Curry was warming up, and then because of an illness, uh, he uh, he pulled himself out of the game and, and did not play the the, the entirety. Then he did not play the rest of the game. But the Charlotte Hornets were down two points, and then of course Draymond Green um, uh, went to force a jump ball. Didn't get the call. He starts arguing as usual with the referees. Picked up two quick tees and, and gets tossed. And, of course, Terry Rozier hit the two free throws to tie the game. And, of course, Charlotte won the game on the last second bucket. Lakina, I still believe the Warriors are a playoff team if Draymond Green and Steph Curry stay healthy. But losing back-to-back -back games at Orlando, then losing in ugly fashion to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, that's not going to get it done, and especially melting down like Jerry Ryan Green did on uh, last Saturday night. Uh, that's not smart. Yeah, that's just, just, just not, just you know, not smart at all. And mm -hmm. you know, knowing the fact that Steph was out, and you know, you're gonna act yeah. like this. No, that, that's not. I'm sure Kerr got on him about that, that, and I, I just think this just wasn't a very smart thing for Draymond to do when he still had a, the Warriors still actually had a had a shot of winning that game. So. Mm -hmm. The fact that this could this could be the kind of loss that comes back to bite you in the butt if it comes down to maybe perhaps one game or a half a game, you know, this loss, you know, this helps Charlotte in their playoff, you know, chase. But mm -hmm. if you're the Warriors, especially in the West, when it's a lot, there's a lot more depth, you can't afford these kinds of losses. No, you can't, especially in the competitive Western Conference, as we said going into the season, Lakina, spots Five through eight will be uh, competitive and crowded, so you cannot afford to go on a, a long losing streak. I know this team hasn't played in a week because of dealing with COVID issues, but the San Antonio Spurs are quietly in the mix, so you can't count them out. We know Utah's at the top of the Western Conference, but you look at some of the other teams, too. Sacramento, I know they lost to the Bulls on, on Saturday, 
But they're a young team that could catch a little mini winning streak. You can slip up against them. The Phoenix Suns the same same way. That they're, they're all packed up. So if you're the Warriors, you cannot not afford to uh, lose games against teams that you're better than, even though they're not the same team as they were a few years ago winning those championships. But it's it's a crowded field. Now let's not forget get about Memphis either. Even though they got blown out at home against Phoenix on Saturday, it's a crowded field. So you cannot afford to do stupid things and go on long losing streaks because if that's the, if that's the case, uh, you can forget about the playoffs for the Warriors this year. Exactly. Um, the Wizards upset the, uh, the Bla- the trailblazers that that kind of surprised me. Bradley Beal had 37 and that, that game, that game, that, that was all kind of surprised because just considering, you know, the Wizards have had their, their struggles, you know, for various reasons, but mm-hmm. You know, Westbrook had a, a had a triple double, you know, as usual, and you know, it just maybe they got maybe the Blazers got caught, you know, looking ahead a little bit because they thought it was just the Wizards, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, Carmelo had his struggles on the in the field, so I think that sort of you know derailed the Blazers. But you know, hopefully, again, these are the type of type of losses that that you know don't come back and bite you in the butt if you're the Blazers. Yep, and Damian Lillard is playing at an MVP type level. So uh, these things happen every once once in a while, but for Portland, you cannot lose to too many teams that are below 500, especially in a crowded Western Conference. The highlight game of the night from last Saturday was the Miami Heat facing the Los Angeles Lakers at Staples Center. That was the ABC primetime game. The Lakers did not look good, actually had a chance to win it at the last second. LeBron James steals the ball off the imbalance pass. Uh, Alex Caruso missed a game tying jumper. The Heat escaped with a 96-94 victory. Kendrick Nunn, Chicago's very own, led Miami with 27 points. LeBron James had nine rebounds, nine assists, and 19 points for the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakina, as we said before, Anthony Davis will be out now past the All-Star break. Uh, is it time to hit the panic button for the Los Angeles Lakers or – or should you be concerned, not too concerned, or hit the panic button? I think you're right in the middle at this point in the season. I think, you know. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think, you know, you shouldn't panic, but, again, you're sort of like, okay, what's going on here? Because you've got, look, there's some various guys out there now you can get. You can get, you know, Drummond, um, Griffith. Look, Boogie's out there now. I'm sure maybe he might come back to the Lakers. Remember, he wasn't a part of that, you know, team that won last year. So I'm thinking, I'm sure he's going right, to cut him at the all-star break a year yeah, ago. Yeah. Because of his injury. So, you mm-hmm. know, Neil, that you can probably, you'll, you'll, you can get him for cheap. And I think he can contribute. I mean, especially you pick up the slack since, you know, AD is out. I doubt. I mean, I, I don't think you should be to worry if you're a Lakers fan right this second, but I think it's showing you that I think you do need somebody to kind of pick up the slack for AD until he's able to come back, you know, whenever he's able to come back. So, you're missing that, you know, that big body, you know, that that, that guy that can shoot. So I, I think Boogie can, you know, can kind of fit that bill. And uh, But I wouldn't worry, though, if you're the Lakers. I mean, as long as you're in the top, you know, two or three and, you know, you, you get into the playoffs and get, get everybody healthy, I think, you know, you shouldn't have to – I think, you know, Lakers fans should not be freaking out at this point. I know some of them are, but I, I think, you know, people should kind of just pull the brakes on the panic. Uh, watching some of that game on Saturday, Lakina, you had to be encouraged by some of the players that have to fill in uh, Anthony Davis's shoes. Of course, it's going to be a collective team effort. It has to be, but 
Kyle Kuzma led the Lakers uh, with 23 points. Also, Montrezl Harrell contributed with 18 off the bench. I know there was a few guys that didn't play for the Lakers coming off the bench. They, they didn't use too many guys. Frank Vogel, the head coach, didn't use too many guys coming off the bench. But you're starting to see uh, who's going to uh, be the second guy to LeBron James until Anthony Davis gets back. Kyle Kuzma, as I mentioned, had a good game. It's, it was nice to see him have a bounce-back performance. Wes Matthews, who I'm – focusing on. He he played 31 minutes, only scored 10 points off of 4 or 10 shooting, so hopefully Wes Matthews can get how he could contribute something there. And uh, Taylor Horton Tucker only scored 5 points in 17 minutes. I want to see more from him, so hopefully that uh, he gets more time, because I know it was preseason and he wooed everybody out, out the gym with, uh, with his 30-point performances in the short preseason, but hopefully it's time for him to uh, get some more minutes, see if he can take advantage of it. Oh, I told. Excuse me, oh, my voice is a little bit cracking here, but oh, I told. I totally agree with you on in that front, and I think, look, like I said before, I mean, I think you know, no one should freak out. I know Miami. Look, that's a nice, you know, boosting, you know, morale boosting win for Miami. But I think if you're a Lakers mm -hmm. fan, I think you're kind of like, okay, well, let's let's sort of slow down on the panic here. Now on Sunday, yesterday, probably the game of well, one of the games of the day, I should say is the Pelicans with a nice bounce, nice uh, comeback mm -hmm. win over the Celtics. They were down, I think, like 24 points, and they were able to yeah. make a big run. Brendan Ingram had, you know, 33 points. You know, Zion made some big, you know, made some big shots. So did Zion. You know, I think that the, 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 the Celtics just, you know, just got cold. And, you know, I, I actually wasn't paying attention to that game until I saw the score, like, late in the fourth. Like, wait, wait, huh? Wait a second. Did they? <laughs> Because I, I would look, I was watching other stuff, so I didn't really pay that this yeah. no mind. So Same I, was here. Mm -hmm. I was totally surprised, but the you know, the Pelicans, you know, nice win for them. Yeah, congratulations to the Pelicans. It was a nice comeback win for them. As I mentioned, Lakina, they're one of those teams that you can, you, you want to see them getting on the road, but it is it's like each time you take a, a step forward, you take two steps back, and this is what happens when you trying to uh, build up confidence of a young team. Now, uh, hopefully a winner like this for New Orleans, hopefully they can propel them to perhaps make a push for the playoffs. Maybe after all this, it, uh, it won't matter in terms of them making the playoffs. I know, as we mentioned in our last couple of episodes, Lonzo Ball is rumored to be traded. Will J.J. Reddick uh, be there past the de trade deadline? So I, I don't know what's going to happen as far as the future of this Pelicans team. But uh, yesterday's performance, uh, they really showed me something. Uh, as you mentioned, trailing by 24 points late in the third quarter. Brandon Ingram, who was an all-star last year here in Chicago, uh, like you mentioned, he came up big. It's, it's, finally, it's nice to start to see him uh, uh, live up to his potential. He, he was one of those players that needed to get out of LeBron's shadow, and he's taken advantage of it. He's been doing that for the last year or so now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the, I'm, I'm glad the nation got to see how good of a player he is last mm -hmm. night um another game that we you know kind of a little bit of controversy with the ending you know the nets and the clippers and that's now won six in a row beating the clippers um you know uh, Kyrie had had 28 you know james harden had a, a double double leading the scores mm -hmm. with 37 i know there was a call that i know that Ka you know, Kawhi got a call against him you know mm -hmm. uh offensive foul you know Harden flopped, as you can tell. <laughs> I think, you know, I, think any, I think anybody can see that that was, you know, that was a flop by Harden, but they called it against Kawhi. So, 
that you know that 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 sort of did the Clippers in. But the fact that they didn't have a lot of contributions besides PG and Kawhi, so that's going to be another issue that's going to be coming up too at some point, especially if you're talking about going forward to the playoffs. If you're a Clippers fan, where do you where did you see this game? I'm not going to say that this game was a finals preview because uh, Kevin Durant did not play for Brooklyn. Uh, but it was still an interesting game to watch. I know James Harden and Patrick Beverly, who's from Chicago, he's always a pest. Uh, they got into it early when, um, when Beverly fouled Harden going on a fast break. But it was a clear path foul. But uh, Brooklyn uh, held on for the victory. They actually took care of the basketball uh, very well. I know the midway through that um, – midway through the fourth quarter, and it turned out to be the final statistic for the game. They only committed six turnovers, so Kyrie Irving, as you mentioned, had a great game. He uh, took care of the basketball. They, they had balanced, balanced scoring. Uh, Joe Harris came in with 13 points. Of course, James Harden did his thing with 37 points. And DeAndre Jordan, who made the game-winning basket, I had that call from Iron Eagle. It was a great call on Sunday. You can go to my Twitter feed at SidKid80 for that. Excuse me, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan um, had a great game with 11 rebounds and 13 points. So, uh, pretty much a, a balanced uh, performance by by the Nets, considering they didn't have Kevin Durant. But for the if you're the Clippers, uh, you got to tighten up the defense a little bit. They, like I mentioned earlier, they're still one of the best teams in in the Western Conference. But uh, you're gonna have to tighten up some things uh, defensively, and you're gonna have who's gonna be there. Uh, third score uh, consistently to help out Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Will it be Nicholas Batum? Will it be Marcus Morris Sr.? Will it be Reggie Jackson coming up off the bench, even though he only played four minutes on Sunday? Um, somebody else going to have to ha help out Lou, Lou Williams, who only scored five points off the bench on Sunday. So I'm kind of concerned for the Clippers. They're still a good team, but they got to get some consistent scoring outside of your two superstars. Absolutely. And also that was – that's seven – that's um, Harden seven – 77, I should say, 35-point double-double uh, of his career, second most. You know, only LeBron, he trails LeBron in, in that stat. So mm -hmm. a nice win for the Nets, and we'll see if they can keep it up. Now, probably, like, the biggest sort of, you know, off-the-court news is that we have a coaching change already this early in the season. <laughs> Ryan Saunders, who, you know, of course, is you know, the late great fifth Saunders, that's his mm -hmm. son, got the opportunity, you know, with the T-Wolves, with, you know, his dad's untimely uh, passing. You know, unfortunately, you know, lose to the Knicks. You know, they get fired. He had the third worst record in the NBA over the span of three seasons, you know, 43 and 94. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris Finch, who they're getting from the Raptors organization, it looks like he's not going to be an interim coach. He's going to be the head coach. So, you know, there's some other things that have come up. But they have a, a top um, assistant in the T-Wolves, but they went going outside the organization. What do you think What do you think about, you know, this whole thing, Sid? I mean, it's sort of, you know, things are sort of kind of getting weird up in Minnesota. Yeah, this is what happens when you have uh, one of the worst teams in the league. Of course, D'Angelo Russell, they acquired in a trade uh, deadline uh, last season. And he, uh, uh, he was injured uh, in last week's uh, one of their games last week. Now he's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, this is what happens when we have a, a lack of talent, and you have to look at not just the players, but you have to look at your front office as well. So uh, this is what happens when uh, the, all those things are not working in cohorts, and so you see changes like this. Will it get better with the with the Timberwolves? If you're a Timberwolves fan, you hope so, but you have really have a long way to go. You think we have problems here in Chicago? I'd rather be the Bulls right now than Minnesota, to be honest with you. So 
But uh, looks like the Timberwolves maybe have to scrap this thing all over again. Uh, is I don't think it will be a question of when, uh, of not if, but when they trade Carl Anthony Towns. Because if you were him right now, you're one of the best young big men in the league, and you've been an all-star uh, uh, at a point in your career. I want to go play for, for a championship. I want to play in the playoffs. And it looks like I'm not going to get that here in the Twin Cities. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Russell's deal, Russell's out right now because of an injury. And I think mm-hmm. if you're, if I think you are Carl Anthony, you, you say to yourself, okay, you know, what, what's, what's, gonna, what's the future here? Are we going to, are you guys going to sort of wipe everything clean and start again? You know, if not, I don't want to be a part of it, or I want to be a part of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the future of this, this franchise. So if I were him, I probably would be saying, okay, you know, what well, what's, what's going on here? What's the deal here? So It'll, it'll be interesting to see where, where this goes because, you know, sorry it didn't work out for Ryan over and, um, you know, with the, the mm-hmm. T-Wolves, you know, it was really, it was really cheery for him. But unfortunately, this is the NBA and this is, this is also a business too. So it'll be interesting to see what Towns does. I mean, will he be saying that, okay, yeah, I want to get out of here. I want to be able to you know, get a chance to go, you know, to a playoff team or a title contending team because you don't want to waste, you know, he's still very young. He's only 23, but you don't want to waste your, mm-hmm. you don't want to waste your talent. So, you know, you're just you're hitting your peak, and you know you don't. You really don't want to stay here if you're going to be sort of stuck at the bottom. You know, for the rest of you know for mm-hmm. the rest of your career. So if I'm if I'm if I'm Towns, I'm going to the Minnesota the, the Minnesota T Wolves brass and say, okay, what's going on here? What's the deal? And you know, what's what's going to be the what? What are you guys are trying to do these next few years? You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown as we talk about the National Basketball Association as we wind down this segment. Lakina, before we take our uh, time out, let's review, uh, let's uh, preview uh, the, some of the big games that's coming up this week in the association. If you're listening to us on a Tuesday, we'll say today, happy Tuesday. So let's take a look at a couple of games that you guys can look forward to on Tuesday as far as the NBA is concerned. The first game, on TNT will be the Boston Celtics at, at the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, airing at the same time, but locally on TV, will be Philadelphia at Toronto via Tampa Bay. Uh, of course, uh, Toronto defeated the 76ers on Sunday. Let's see if Philadelphia can bounce back in that one. Then, of course, in the nightcap, and this will air on TNT, the Portland Trail Blazers and the different Nuggets. Uh, that, sh- that game should be fun. You know, oh, lots um, of high scoring. Oh yeah, this could be like first like one forty or something like that might win it. Um, it'll, be <laughs> see what, it'll be interesting to see what mood the the Trailblazers are gonna are gonna be in after what happened over the weekend against the against the the Wizards. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how you know how they respond. Also to um, Washington and the you know and the Clippers. I mean, um, we'll see how the Clippers respond to you know mm-hmm. the way they lost you know on Sunday. So I those those are the two games out west I'm looking forward to. <laughs> All right, let's let's head over to Wednesday's action at seven o'clock. Shout out to our good friend Alana Techhauer. It's the Toronto Raptors traveling to Miami to take on the Heat at seven o'clock Chicago time. At the same time, it'll be the Minnesota Timberwolves against the Chicago Bulls from the UC. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, assuming that everything goes according to plan, the the San Antonio Spurs will be back in action at OKC against the Thunder. And, of course, at the, the nightcap will be on ESPN at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. The Los Angeles Lakers will face the Utah Jazz. So of course, 
if you Utah, even though Anthony Davis will not be playing for the Lakers, this is a big test for the Jazz to see if, if they can match up against the one of the top contending teams in the league. And if you're the Lakers, you're looking for a bounce back because I think you need to sort of, yes. you know, get that deal confidence back up because, you know, LeBron can't do it all by himself. So, you know, Kuzma, Condes Pope, you know, the rest of that, you know, that, that team, I think they're going to have to step up to sort of challenge Utah because it's going to mm-hmm. be very interesting. It's going to be a very interesting game in Utah. Yes. And let's flip it over to Thursday to wrap it up. Uh, the TNT doubleheader at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's the Dallas Mavericks against the Philadelphia 76ers from Wells Fargo Center. And then the nightcap will feature the New Orleans Pelicans against the Milwaukee Bucks from Pfizer Forum. That's at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on TNT. Also, other games to note for, for Thursday, for this coming Thursday, Orlando at Brooklyn at 6.30 p.m. Summer Kevin Durant will be back uh, by then. And, of course, at 7 o'clock on Thursday, you'll have the Clippers at the Grizzlies. Should be a fun one there. Um, I want, yeah, this going to be very interesting. Um, Kawhi versus John Morant. That should be a fun one over there in Memphis. You know, I'm looking forward to that one. So some, some good case as, as NBA is, you know, finishing up their first half of their season. Yes, we got a little bit of a week and a half to go before this All-Star break, as you, you mentioned in air quotes. So, <laughs> so it, it, the games are getting hot, and so and the competition is starting to heat up. So it'll be interesting to see how which teams will separate and which teams will go to the bottom. Lakina, let's take a 20-second timeout yeah. on Second City Sports. When we get back, we'll uh, talk that hockey. As, um, the NHL has a little bit of, bit of egg on their faces. And, and then, of course, we'll get into the final line and the rest of the college basketball action from the weekend. And we'll get to a cover story that's uh, that regarding the world of baseball, especially here in Chicago. And I'll mention something that I saw on television in basketball on Sunday night, which could affect the rest of the sports world. You want to stay tuned for that. You're listening to Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kita McGee on the Twitter and at Kita underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can you can search War on Anchor wherever you download your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app. Type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on your YouTube engine. Search, just type it in there. You can not only listen to us, you can watch us do our thing live. Thank you for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Because we're unapologetically fun. Now, Lakina, I had some fun late Saturday afternoon watching the fighting Alina as we talk about college basketball now. The final line, uh, they're starting to play uh, great basketball. They're playing terrific at the right time. Defeating the Minnesota Golden Golfers on the road, 94-63. to 
Illinois is ranked fifth in the country right now. They are 16 and 5, 12 and 3 in the Big Ten. Ayo Dusumu, or oh, as I call him on this show, L. Ayo <laughs> Dusumu had another triple double, the second of his career and of the season. With he led the Illini with 19 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. Jamal Mashburn Jr. led the Minnesota Golden Gophers with 16 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Lakina, watching this Illini team, of course, in a blowout situation, you're going to have more guys with the opportunity to play, but. I don't know if many people paid attention to this, but Stephen Bardo, who is a former Illini player, former NBA player now, he's a college TV basketball analyst for Fox and the Big Ten Network. He pointed out something during that broadcast late in the second half. The Illini were playing great team defense. It was nothing that Minnesota couldn't do. The, the Illini was, uh, was, uh, was swarming at the defenders, especially at the perimeter. They were contesting shots, and they, they were really leading the fast break, and they really took care of the basketball. And I, and I was proud of the Illini, even though they had 10 turnovers for the entire game. But early on in that first half, you, you could see them starting to get their game together. Of course, they blew the doors off in the second half. But you can see that this Illini team is finally starting to come together. If they finally are actually starting to mesh. Like this was the Illini team mm-hmm. that, that I think fans were, you know, hoping to see early in the season. So it's good to see that they're doing it now. Now we'll see if still some are wondering, are they picking maybe too early? But again, you know, you got about three weeks left before, you know, selection Sunday. So we'll see where they're mm-hmm. at, you know, seating wise, you know, some say that they could be had, they could have an outside shot again in one seat, especially if they go far in the big 10 tournaments. So we'll, we'll see what they what they do. I think uh, Io is uh, definitely making the case for not just Player of the Year, but you, know, you got mm-hmm. Luca Garza, you got Ron Harper Jr., and you got various you got the guys, some of the guys from a couple of guys from Michigan. So we'll get to them in a second. But um, I think he's definitely going to be right there in the team picture for that. And perhaps some people are saying that maybe perhaps he should be in the discussion for um, Player of the Year nationally. So. We'll see yeah, I tweeted out on Saturday. So, uh, and the way that the the Sumo's been playing right now, uh, why 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 not? He he is the Illini team, but as we all know, Lakina in tournament time you need great guard play, you need inside presence, and the Illini have both on the roster right now. Kofi Coburn he had another great game on Saturday with 22 points and six rebounds. Jacob Granderson, as I always say especially in basketball, who's going to be that third guy? Grandison, I believe, could be that third guy. He chipped in with 12 points in 21 minutes of action. Uh, Trent Frazier, he played 32 minutes, scored 15 points. So uh, you got an all-around balanced scoring for the line. If they can keep this up, uh, I, I definitely can see them going far into the tournament, perhaps the Final Four, especially with a couple of big teams like Duke and Kentucky not, not participating in this year's tournament. But we'll hold that thought there about when it comes to uh, Duke and Kentucky not participating in the tournament. I mean, you know, Kentucky got a nice win. I think their I think their next game against A and M was the postponed due to protocols. You know, COVID mm-hmm. issues going on. We you know, with Texas A and M, but uh, let, let's not. You know, Duke had a big win. You know, ups, upsetting. I guess you could say West. I mean, Virginia. I should say so. You know, let, let's let's not you know count those teams out just yet. Now, speaking of West Virginia, they had a nice big win against uh, Texas. You know, in Austin, so that was a nice win for them. Uh, Miles Miles McBride had 17 for Texas. Hit some big shots late for them. Kansas is starting to uh, get you know heat up. You know, they had a you know a nice win against uh, Tech. Mm-hmm. So that's another one a win for Bill Self and that team. Um, 
some other some other scores. Um, North Carolina is starting to you know play better. So you know, I think you know, I think teams are kind of like you know flipping the switch, if you will, sort of you know getting mm-hmm. back into that you know that that realm and. You know, I, I think sort of freshening up their their attorney resumes. You know, one team that did not was St. John's losing it losing it to the to, to, to DePaul. You know, DePaul. I said before, DePaul always. You know, in the last few years, have had these like one or two games that <laughs> they have no business winning. And you know, St. John's was that one. And unfortunately, if you're Mike Anderson, that's not a loss you want to have for your resume. So that doesn't help you, especially with only being a few weeks left in the regular season going into the uh, conference tournaments. I want to talk about um, yesterday. Well, Sunday's game, I should say, Michigan and Ohio State. You know, it was a great. It was, look, it's always great when you know these two schools play each other, whatever the sport. You know, football, mm-hmm. men's and women's hoops. I mean, you know, it's all it's always fun. It's always a rivalry. Um, Hunter Dickinson, who who could probably make a case for a Big Ten Player of the Year too. You know, hit some big shots. They had twenty two in Michigan, um, being Ohio State, and um, I saw a stat here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. But you know, what do you think about that game, Sid? I know you probably got a chance to watch it a little bit of it. I only saw a little bit of it, but uh, Michigan, not to make light of the situation with going on with COVID and uh, everything like that, but uh, they've won three in a row, I believe, since coming back last Sunday. Of course, they defeated Wisconsin uh, their first game back. They defeated Rutgers, I believe, and they defeated Ohio State on Sunday. So uh, shout out to Juwan Howard, Chicago's very young. I room for him personally, except when they play Illinois. But <laughs> I room for Juwan Howard personally. Personally, that was a, that's a good Michigan team. I don't know if that game is going to get made up against Illinois at the end of the season, but I would like to see those two teams go at it. But we may see that happen in the Big Ten tournament final in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. We shall see. But uh, Mich- Michigan is, is very good. Um, so Illinois is not there by themselves, but don't sleep on Ohio State. I know that they lost to Michigan on Sunday, but don't sleep on Ohio State. Uh, they can surprise some people too. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan hasn't been in one seed since Juwan was there in '93, so it's been you know that long since they've been a one seed. They yeah. could very well on their way being one this year. But I think it's definitely going to be a fight in you know that big, that three-way fight in that Big Ten conference. You know, with Michigan and Illinois and Ohio State, I think Ohio State will still have. You know, they're, uh, they'll still have a say on probably, you know, who will win that Big Ten, you know, regular season title and get that, those, that, that's, you know, those, that seed perhaps going to get a, a shot at a one seed in the tournament too. So we'll see what they do um, there. But I think what's going to be – well, No, go ahead. Okay. Just real quick before you get back to the other games from the weekend. Uh, going back to the final line, they, um, they will have an outside shot to get in that, that number one seed. I think they have a chance to at least win out the rest of their regular season schedule before uh, the conference tournament. Of course, uh, Tuesday they'll face uh, Michigan State in East Lansing. And then, of course, on Thursday they'll face uh, Nebraska in Champaign. And then, of course, on uh, Saturday they'll travel to Wisconsin for an early afternoon game. Of course, next week, uh, as of right now, they'll go to Michigan. On March the second, and then of course they'll close out the regular season at Ohio State on March the sixth, which is uh, another week or so away. So, I think Illinois can run the table and finish out this uh, finish out uh, uh, on a perfect note. But that Michigan game, assuming that it stays the way it is right now, that's going to be a tough one. So, uh, Illinois is peaking at the right time, and I'll take my chances with them. 
could be very well in a B for not just a one C for the conference tournament, but also maybe a one C in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So that could be a that's probably a game for all the marbles in that front. Um, some of the other some of the other games, you know, Wisconsin had a nice little bounce back. I think they needed that win because they had lost like three in a row. So they needed that mm -hmm. win against Northwestern. Sorry, Northwestern seems like they just you know just just completely fell off after you know starting the conference season three and zero. Oh. Maryland keeps their tourney hopes alive with their win over Rutgers. You know, Michigan State kept their tourney hopes alive with their win over Indiana. Indiana, you know, not helping their tourney resume. Houston with a nice bounce back win. You know, remember we said, you know, a couple of days ago where they lost to Wichita State, having mm -hmm. them off the ranks of them being in that conference, you know, just blew the doors off. Um, Cincy, you know, Penn, you know, uh, Iowa, you know, also got back on track with the win that went over Penn State. So, you know, sort of, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, jockey for, for position. Some of the games that, that are coming up um, tonight, well, well, well this, these games will already be, be played, so I'll skip over to um, Tuesday. Like I said, the Illinois-Michigan State game, the Michigan State game, Michigan, Michigan State needs that game to kind of keep their turning mm -hmm. hopes alive. Um, West Virginia, TCU, TCU needs it to keep their turning hopes alive. St. John's needs to beat Villanova in order to keep their turning chances. Um, te uh, Texas and Kansas, that should be a fun one there down in Austin. Um, Ole Miss needs needs a win at Missouri to kind of keep their turning hopes alive. So a lot of these bubble teams are you know need to kind of get because they're running out of games, you know, because some games have been sort of moved around because of COVID and some have been you know canceled. So you know some of these you know some of these teams are sort of are need to kind of like get themselves you know on the other side of that bubble. Yeah, two teams I want to give a shout out to real quick. Uh, this is from Saturday. I know in our last episode I previewed one of these games to, for the uh, one of the games for people to watch. Uh, number twenty three Kansas got back on track as they defeated the Texas Tech, the sixty seven sixty one. David McCormick had a great game for the for the Jayhawks, scoring seventeen points, grabbing eight rebounds and two assists. And Florida State ranked 16th in the nation. The Seminoles got by the Pittsburgh Panthers, 79-72. Uh, Waquan Gray uh, does it again for the Seminoles, scoring 16 points, grabbing eight rebounds, and also tallying up two steals. Florida State and the ACC, I know they traditionally are known for, known for as a football school, but uh, they've been coming up in basketball over the last few years, and people better watch out. It could be a – and look, I always felt that last last year had not, you know, had turned not make not gotten canceled. You know, maybe they could have probably could have went to the final four, but you know, one of the things we'll never know. But um Iowa and Michigan, you know, that that should be a good one there. I think that was one of the, that that's one of the makeup games, the games that, that, mm -hmm. that Michigan has to, had to make up. Um uh Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan Michigan State, I should say Michigan State, like again, they need these wins, you know, to rack up so that they can keep get themselves in the, to keep themselves in the conversation. Boise State needs to uh, beat San Diego State, who is ranked, you know, in the Mountain West. You know, they need that to sort of, you know, make sure to freshen up their their attorney resume. So, like I said, a lot of these teams are starting to, you know, freshen up their resume. They need to freshen up their resume because, like I said, you know, the weeks are, you know, are you know, getting shorter and you're running out of games to sort of make up for those those bad losses, you know, St. John's. So, um, you definitely need to kind of keep, keep up and, you know, sort of stay within that on the other side of that bubble. Yep, this is the time of the year to uh, ramp it up and, and, and window dress and show improvement. So this is one of the reasons why we love college basketball as we head 
even closer to Selection Sunday for March Madness. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's talk about some baseball and let's focus in on the White Sox. Uh, I read an interesting article as now all teams have reported to spring training as uh, all the teams have started the uh, first day of full workouts. Full squads have reported. Uh, reading uh, Daryl Vince Schoen, um, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he's the White Sox beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he wrote an article on Saturday. This was uh, published on Saturday, uh, focusing on the 24-year-old Michael Kopech. Uh, he was one of the White Sox key prospects, key pitching prospects. He hasn't pitched in the game since September of 2018. I'm going to just read a couple of quotes here from the article. Um, this is from Michael Kopech and from the article by uh, Daryl Van Schoen. Quote, I learned that I needed this game a lot more than I realized. There were multiple reasons, Kopech said. COVID being one of the reasons having some health issues in my family, there were a lot of personal reasons as well. I've been candid in the past about mental health being important and prioritizing so that so I can be the best version of myself on the field. That's a lot of what it came down to as well. Kopech said that he was welcomed back with open arms by the organization, including teammates, and felt relieved throwing off the mound and feeling the ball coming out of his hand with life in these first few days of spring training. Everybody is celebrating the birth of the baby, LaRusa said, and we're all celebrating the way that he's throwing. Kopech and actress Vanessa Morgan became parents for the first time in January. A boy named River Kopech filed for a divorce back on June 9th, but being a father has given him a fresh perspective on life, he said. Lakina, I know there was also rumors of via Twitter and back channels that uh, Michael Kopech uh, didn't like that he wasn't quote unquote guaranteed a spot uh, for last season. Uh, we don't know if that's ever going to be proven true or not, but we talked about it last week. Lakina, he's in competition to get one of those last two spots in the starting rotation. Uh, if he doesn't get it, will the White Sox uh, screw around with him and put him back in the minors, or will he be used as long relief? But no matter what happens, and I, I, I said this in our last episode, manager Tony La Russa is getting everybody a clean slate. Uh, everything is a go. You have to fight for your job. Uh, I don't owe anything to you. Uh, this is a clean slate. And Michael Kopech is one of those guys. With the mental, mental health issues aside, uh, let's see what Michael Kopech's made of. Uh, he hasn't pitched in two years. He's got to earn a spot just like everybody else. Me, personally, I'm rooting for him, but he's on the same playing field like everybody else. Yeah, I think he's right there sort of in that in that cusp. I, well, like, he's, like you said, I read, I read that article too. And, you know, he was very candid. You know, you're going to get a lot of, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, transparency and nuance from him. And, look, he was very honest at the reasons why he decided to sit out last season. Now, I know he's upset that he couldn't, you know, he's not guaranteed a spot. He's going to have to earn it. But I think if, you know, if he is, you know, ready and right, both mentally and physically, I mean, I hope he does have a, he has a shot again, though, in those, those starting rotations. Mm -hmm. Do they, they decide to sort of make him a middle reliever if he doesn't become a starter? So that's going to be like the one thing that I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what he does and then and see how he looks. It's probably going to take him, it's probably going to take him about a month or two because remember he didn't, has a pitching game plan a couple of years. So mm -hmm. I think White Sox fans need to be patient with him and sort of yeah. say, you know, look, he's still very young. He's still only 24. He hasn't reached his peak yet. You know, I'm sure he's got a lot of innings in him. So 
I think White Sox fans should be encouraged and you know, they should give, just give them some time to kind of get back into sort of like in that routine because like he's, like we would say, it's, it's been two years since he's actually pitched in the game. So I think, you know, White Sox fans should sort of just, you know, be patient and just, you know, kind of just, you know, let him, you know, get, you know, get right both mentally and physically. And also too, we didn't get to this in our last episode, but uh, GM Rick Hahn said to the, media late last week that it's World Series of bust for the White Sox. And I like that attitude. And we all know known that throughout uh, this all season located with the moves that the White Sox have made. They bring in La Russa, uh, from the chair <laughs> uh, at home or in his office, wherever he was, to manage this team and some of the additional player moves that they made via free agency, via trade. And I like this attitude. It is World Series of bust. It's going to be a battle between them and the Twins, I believe, for the AL Central crown this year coming up in 2021. So I like this attitude. And, of course, with Tim Anderson uh, uh, not liking the comment that he was ranked 10th, uh, 9th or 10th uh, best shortstop in the American League by MLB Network pissing him off, that's bulletin board material. Just turn that pain into power. And the White Sox could come out with the right attitude. Uh, the, the sky's the limit for the Sox. And also, too, as I mentioned before in our last episode, Lakina, La Russa is the right guy for this job because he's going to set the set the table, set the agenda for those guys in the locker room. You can let them be themselves, but if they get out of line, you got to reel them in and say, this is what it takes to win. You can't do what you want to do and skip steps on your way to achieving a, perhaps potential greatness. You, you got to take it one day at a time, one step at a time. You got to put in the word. There are no cheat codes here. There's no, there's no skipping steps. You have to do it in a certain way and, and do it with professionalism. Yeah, I heard his interview on um, ESPN 1000. I'm, you know, I was I was impressed, you know, as usual, what he says because you know, looking like, people forget he's actually a pretty smart guy. So I think he kind of sees mm-hmm. and knows what you know what will work and what doesn't work. He'll have his you know his opportunities to you have to figure out like which you know combinations of various lineups that you know, that, that he'll use in various games. Will he adjust to, you know, the pitching matchups and stuff like that? So especially the attitude and the passion, he's already said, look, I'm going to let, I'm let the guys be themselves, but if they get too far ahead, you know, I am probably going to have to read them in. So it'll be very interesting to see what, what he does. I mean, look, I, I, look I'm, I'm sure it is probably World Series or bust, but you got other teams, you know, in your own division. You know, like I said, Minnesota may have a, may have a, may have a say, um, Houston might have a say. We'll get to when we do our divisional previews, but they're gonna, you know, it's not gonna be just the the White Sox, you know, and just everybody else. I mean, there are definitely a couple of teams in, in the AL that can say, "Hey, wait a second, you know, we might have a chance to knock you guys off." So, look, are the White Sox the favorites? You know, of course, but again, they're mm-hmm. not. They're not kind of like you know the favorite. I mean, you know, some would say Houston, some will say the Yankees. So you know, and the Rays. So yeah, they they, they think you know, I think. I'm not saying that the White Sox fans should, you know, should tip our expectations, but I think, you know, it's not, you're not the only ones, you know, in the AL yeah. that are the favorites in, in, you know, for the World Series. And there's always a surprise team or two, Lakina, that, that pops up in there that we're not expecting. So the White Sox alone, with everybody else should be a, a top contender, should be a, a weary of theirs, be aware of that as well. As well. <laughs> I got what you're saying. But yeah, so like I said, I mean, it's going to be very interesting, especially in the AL. The AL is going to be fascinating because like, you know, like we've been saying, like I said, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, you know, I know they're still kind of looking for where the heck they're going to play because they, you know, Canada's still not going to let them play in Toronto. So 
um, you know, Oakland might have a say, might have a say in that. So look, you there's going to be like about three or four of the teams that are going to be saying, hey, wait a second, you know, don't don't put the white don't edge the White Sox in you know, the World Series picture just yet. So <laughs> I, I think it's going to, but it's going to be fun though. I but I think that people are looking forward to seeing how this team looks, and it's good to see that people are noticing that, hey, you know what, this White Sox is actually pretty good. So you got Tony Lewis back over there. So we'll, we'll see we'll see what he can do with this this squad. You're listening to Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's transition over to football real quick before we get into to that hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my television on right now. And the headline is that Jimmy Garoppolo, the current quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, is reportedly – in favor of waiving his no trade clause, if that's the, the case, Lakina, <laughs> Musa, <laughs> do if you're Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears, do you take a shot at getting Jimmy Garoppolo? And if so, what do you think it's going to take to get him? He's been injured um, the, the majority uh, minus that 2019. A season where San Francisco reached the Super Bowl and lost. Minus that season, Jimmy Garoppolo has played barely half the seasons there. Mm. If you're Ryan Pace, do you even at least make a call to see what what can you get for Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, if you're John Lynch, you're hoping that he calls, right? So maybe can fleece him like he did last <laughs> time. Come on now. Look, he's a Hall of Famer now, for goodness sakes. But uh, Edward Fleece. So. As a player. As a player, so you know, but, but but I mean, look, I mean, this is this is another name that's being floated around for the Bears. I mean, for you know, a couple of days ago with Sam Darnold, now it's Jimmy G. I mean, it, it it's just it's just crazy to me that all this stuff is being floated around. Don't just love the NFL off season. It, it never, it, there's yeah. never off day in the NFL. I mean, you know, you wonder what's it going to take. Is it going to take maybe a first rounder? Do you going to have to give them that first rounder? So you, you are you just going to have to swap picks and maybe throw in somebody, throw in a Kyle Fuller or somebody like that. You know, to get Jimmy G. I mean, and also, too, I know, look, he's from the area. Would he waive his no trade clause to come here? I mean, that that's another number one question. Will he have somebody to throw to? I mean, look, A-Rob wants out of here, but they may franchise tag him, you know, begrudgingly <laughs> if you're him. If you're him. As I predict. And, and, and begrudgingly if you're him. So, you know, Anthony Miller, you may, you may release him, you know, for – and there might be some guys that may not even be here for, you know, you know the salary cap reasons. So mm-hmm. – I think if you're wonder if you're Jimmy G, I think there are other teams you can go to, if you know if that's really you're willing to, you know, throw away your, you know, do away with no trade clause. Here's the thing, and it goes just way out, way beyond the Chicago Bears. What will it realistically cost to get Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I, this I know for sure is not going to be the Matthew Stafford, uh, Jared Goff deal. I think it's safe to say that. Oh, yeah, no, uh, I don't think so either. Will, will, will one first-round pick and an, another additional uh, second or third-round pick, a combination of those two, will it do it? Or can you get away with not giving up a first-round pick? Now, if you can uh, get away with not giving up a first-round pick, so be it. But I got a sneaky feeling that the San Francisco 49ers, hopefully you're not as dumb as Philadelphia got called in that bluff uh, when Philadelphia was trying to trade away Carson Wentz, which eventually happened last week. Uh, to the Colts, but if, if you're John Lynch, uh, I know you're not going to be that stupid to ask for two first-round picks like Philadelphia did Yeah, uh, you, when they were stopping Carson wins. No, no, you might ask for maybe one. That's probably it. I mean, 
maybe a second, maybe two second rounders. That might be the best you can get for Jimmy. But, you know, I know, you know, you get desperate if you're, if you're the Bears. I think that you're, you, know, you want to be, you know, want to play smart, but you don't want to be stupid either. So especially with, you know, <laughs> supposedly now where it is, is that the Texans don't want to trade Deshaun Watson, which yeah. I would say, ask him that question again in about two weeks. Because I'm sure you're going to have to answer to his people. And I'm sure, you know, he wants to leave. So you're going to have to, you know, especially with J.J. Watt now gone, you know, he's not going to want to stay here. So if you put Jimmy G, you know, to a, you know, do you, are you automatically a contender? You know, you can say that about the Sean Watson, but can you say that about Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, you put him, even if you put him back with the Patriots, I mean, I'm sure the Patriots would love to try, love to try to coast him to, you know, to bring him back there, you know, but then again, are you a contender in your division? So that's going to be the question that Ryan Pace had to ask himself. Knowing that this is probably a laid duck year for you. And, you know, does Jimmy G kind of put you all over the top? That's, sort that's of a million question. dollar question. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you're, you're, you're up against as far as salary cap is concerned. Like I said, you don't know the future of Allen Robinson, so we just don't know. Uh, Hopefully, Ryan Pace will be sparring and say, Jimmy Garoppolo for that price tag of that contract, no. Now, will Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick, the head coach of the uh, New England Patriots, will he sniff around and see if he can get Garoppolo? Maybe, but let's be honest here. Uh, The Patriots are in rebuild mode right now, and do you want to bring in Garoppolo for that? I know, as we talked about in our last show, Lakina, that Belichick wanted Garoppolo, but the owner, Robert Kraft, chose Brady over Garoppolo before Garoppolo was traded to the 49ers a few years ago. So do you want Jimmy G uh, in this second going around with the Patriots? I don't know. Well, especially if, like you said, Sid, I mean, they're probably are going to be in rebuild mode. So do you want, Mm -hmm. if you're Garoppolo, do you want to be a part of that? Or do you want to go someplace where, you know, you could be a contender? I mean, Look, I mean, maybe John Lynch could somehow put together, you know, a, a package with Garoppolo, maybe another, maybe a defensive player and maybe a couple of draft picks to Houston. Maybe he'll give Houston a call because I guess, you know, according to Peter King, that, that I guess there are a couple of teams that have inquired to have you know, asked for a package, but the you know, Texas don't, don't want to listen. I think they're in denial. They're in denial, Bill, <laughs> as they say, because I, I think, no, yeah. no, seriously, because I think that, look, the show Watts doesn't want to play there and – you don't want to have an unhappy star. Yes, you hold all the cards, but so does Watson. And you don't want to have an unhappy, an unhappy you know, star. I mean, you've already had to get rid of one with J.J. Watt. You're letting him – you're basically going to let him dictate where he wants to go, but you're not going to let your star player who clearly doesn't want to be there anymore not, you know, not give him that same courtesy? No. So, if – look, I, like I said – look, we said before the San Francisco could be a sleeper to get Deshaun. I think that still happened. Look, we know that – Lynch could be a very persuasive guy. So if he could say, look, I'll give you Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe one of our defensive guys, you know, a couple of picks, you know, first and second round picks, you know, and we would give us a Sean Watson and maybe a couple, you know, a couple other players too. So I don't know. I mean, we just see what, what, what Lynch decides to do because would, you know, Garoppolo go, want to go to Houston, waive his no-trade clause. And I'm, I know Watson will probably waive his no-trade clause to go to San Fran because they're pretty much basically built to, built to win and still, or, yeah. at least, or at the very least contend. So, you know, it's sort of like, look, I don't think we've heard the last of this. I know, I know some of the reports and what Peter King said, you know, he's been plugged in. But, I, look, don't, 
Those that don't be surprised with nothing at this point. Yeah, as you, as you always say, Lakina, uh, the NFL offseason never sets to disappoint us, so this is just only beginning. We'll see what happens there. Let's do that hockey quickly, Lakina. Uh, the NHL has egg on their faces. Uh, I wanted to watch the the Colorado-Las Vegas game on Saturday. It looked perfect on TV. The sun was shining, and the teams were playing some very competitive hockey. At the end of the first period, the Avalanche were leading the Golden Knights one nothing. But the sun started to shine in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. The snow was beautiful, but uh, the ice uh, was starting to melt because of the sun uh, in layman's terms. Uh, the skaters had to skate in a lake, and you don't want that to happen. So what did the NHL do? They had to postpone the game until midnight Eastern time, 11 o'clock Chicago time, to conclude that game, uh, in which the Avalanche held on to uh, held on to win 3-2, to two, of course, which – uh, moved the game on Sunday with the Philadelphia Flyers and the Boston Bruins from the afternoon until the evening. Both those games were on your cable network instead of your broadcast network. Lakina, it seems like to me that the NHL, and I know why people want to pile on the NHL, and rightfully so at times, but I think they just ran into some bad luck here. Yeah. I as think- far as the weather is concerned. But <laughs> I got to say I'm putting the game on cable on Saturday night because you're not going to bump out Saturday Night Live. That just wasn't going to happen. But uh, Sunday night, you put the uh, you put the game on NBCSN. You can question that there, but but I think they really ran into some bad luck this weekend. Uh, well, and maybe I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a level-headed position, but. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, the setting, the setting was beautiful, right? I mean, if you saw the setting behind it, you know, I, I, I retweeted, you know, the, the photos, the videos, you know, just a beautiful, you know, you get the mountains and stuff. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, yeah. uh, Belmar from the uh, the Avalanche said, well, we're not, we're not, we're actually, we're going to on a lake. No, no, you're not skating on a lake. <laughs> he, was, uh, he kind of like, yeah. you, know, you know, always says, to, always says the darndest things he does. If you guys have seen his history of his comments, he's actually pretty funny. He's actually a pretty funny guy, though. But, uh, I, I mean, Look, I think like that. Look, I think you know you set it all up. You know, you thought that maybe, just maybe, that you know, because for what I saw, the ratings for what actually from the start of it actually were pretty good if you're NBC. But then, you know, like you said, yeah. you know, they had to delay it. You know, it was on. It was already midnight. Uh, it was already midnight out east, and you know, it was only eleven o'clock. You know, here, and like you said, so they're not going to bump off Saturday Night Live. So. You know, you kind of, I think they just ran some bad luck if you're the NHL. This is not like, well, I remember when I said that, you know, hey, they should play games in Lake Tahoe more often. Okay, uh, scratch that. Yeah. Scratch that. Uh, but, <laughs> I do not when it's sunny, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, yeah, they misjudged the weather. So I think someone probably should have looked at the weather and said, you know what, maybe the sun might be a little bit too warm and you may have to, you don't want it too warm, but you don't want it too cold either because it might, it might start, you know, crickling. So, yeah, you know, there was sort of like mm-hmm. you know in a sort of a rock and a hard place for the NHL. I mean, look, you, you tried it; it it didn't go as well as you thought. And you know, hopefully, maybe maybe if you try again in a few years, maybe you'll you know play with the weather a little bit better. But it it, it looked nice. It, it, looked, it looked nice for like the first mm-hmm. like you know half hour. I mean, the game was really good. I mean, he had he had all he had all the commentators so like ringside because you know, of course this is of course you know Avi, but. Yeah. You know, because you know, there's no like, you know, there was there was no like, you know, pedestals or no like towers where they can go, so they had to be ringside. Yeah. So, but that was that was pretty cool. And 
for what for what you know the 30 minutes that we saw it was it was good hockey but you know it's just it just didn't work out the rest of the way and, and it's unfortunate because this is sort of like the NHL's chance to sort of like show you know their you know their sort of that you know playing a different you know different element but it just didn't work yeah, we'll see what happens there. Let's mention our Chicago Blackhawks, Lakina. Uh, they lose to the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday, 5-3. to three. Of course, Patrick Kane uh, with the great spinorama goal. Uh, he, he, he's just incredible. Uh, uh, I don't know what to say about him. He, he will go down as the best Blackhawk ever. They're currently 9-6-4 in third place with 22 standings points. They trailed the Carolina uh, hurricanes in the new central division this year by three points for that uh, division lead. Of course, uh, if you listen to to this on the Tuesday, this would be tonight as uh, uh, the Saturday game against Carolina was postponed. They'll be made up at a later date, uh, but they're, they'll pick up on their road trip on Tuesday, which is tonight if you're listening to us on Tuesday. Tonight at Columbus at 6 p.m., of course, Thursday, they'll finish up their two-game series at Columbus also at 6 p.m. And, of course, they'll face Detroit here at the United Center in Chicago on Saturday and Sunday in the back-to-back affair. So the Blackhawks, uh, they continue to uh, be the surprise team in the National Hockey League, Lakina. They're great, getting great goaltending for Kevin Lankin and Malcolm Subban is PK's little brother starting to step up. I mentioned Patrick Kane. He's having a good year. Alex Dabrinkit, he's having a good year ever, ever since coming back from covid but uh, I like this Hawks team. I'm not saying they're a playoff team yet. And I know there's some talk around Jeremy Carlton being one of the uh, top two or top three candidates for coach of the year. If they make the playoffs, he can definitely make that case. But I'm not getting, I'm not ready to throw all my chips on the table just yet. As I told you, Lakeena, I believe I said talk to me at the end of the month. Yeah, we're all going to have a fair view, uh, fair view of this team. I like the way this team is playing, but – they lost their last game. Let's see if they can bounce back against Columbus these next couple of games. Hopefully, realistically, you come out with a split. I just, well, I just Columbus and the Blackhawks have played each other very tough thus far this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just want them to be confident and confident. Just, just show them a little <laughs> bit of confidence that they've done that. They've done that. I mean, look, you're gonna, you're gonna lose some games here and there. That's just the nature of the beast of any, mm-hmm. you know, any season. So. But as long as, you know, to break it, you know, you still look, you still, like I said, you still, if you still have, you know, Kaner on your team, you will have a, you do have a shot to win, but let's, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's give him a little bit of love here. But look, Colleton, you know, they're buying in, you know, it seems, I know some people, he's, he's not the most exciting guy to, you know, you listen to his interviews, he's not really like the most, you know, engaging person, you know, guy, but, you know, they're, they're, they're listening to him, so. If you, I, I'm, all, I'm also stuck on the fact that well, just imagine how good this team would be if, you know, Taze was on there on the ice. Uh-huh. It's still, you know, I, I'm still sort of, you know, darn, you know, I hope we get the chance to see him, you know, later in the season, you know, knock on wood. Mm. There I go again with the, the wood, um, <laughs> the wood, but, um, but yeah, look, I mean, the confident, competent and confident. That's all I want from this team right now in this juncture of the season. And they've been playing well. And another team that I got to say has been playing well is Toronto. I got the Maple Leafs. I mean, my, my gosh, they, they, they just look incredible. I saw a couple of their, their games, you know, the game against Canadians. That was really exciting. Um, you got a lot of young players on that team. And I, and I think they're going to try and, you know, Austin Matthews has been, you know, phenomenal. I think he's, you probably say he's one of the, one of the candidates and one of the leaders for MVP. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lacking what Toronto's doing, you know, 
also that that whole Canadian, because remember, because of the the realignment, all the Canadian teams are in one division. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's sort of on purpose to make it make sure that a Canadian team perhaps maybe makes the Stanley Cup final, which hasn't happened in years. <laughs> Go that's figure. Probably, I know, right? I mean, that, that's probably why they did that. So, but you know, Edmonton's looked really good. You know, Tampa, I know they've struggled a little bit. You know, they've lost a couple in a row. Um, Boston's looked good. You know, Washington sort of, you know, kind, kind of gotten back on track. So the fly, you know, the Flyers have lost a couple in a row. But I got to say, I mean, you know, some of the teams, I've been pretty, pretty impressed with some of these teams. I mean, the Kings have won four in a row. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of impressed by how, look, how some of these teams look so far. Yeah, and before we close out this hockey segment, uh, congratulations to Sidney Crosby. He played in his 1,000th yeah. game as a Pittsburgh Penguin uh, against the New York Islanders this past Saturday. I know it sucked that well, there were no fans there, but uh, he, he was honored before the game. And congratulations to him. He's definitely a, a Hall of Famer for sure. So he's one of the best uh, captains in the league, along with Jonathan Taves of the Blackhawks. And so uh, congratulations to him. Him and Ovation had a great rivalry uh, throughout their whole career. So uh, he's a three-time uh, champion. So uh, he deserved uh, – I know he had injuries, especially with that concussion early in his career around – 2010, 2011, when he missed the entire season. But uh, it was nice to see him bounce back and uh, now and playing this a 1,000 game. So, congrats to him. Good, yeah, good for him. I mean, I think he's still playing at a very high level at his age. So, you know, I think we should appreciate him while we still have him because, you know, yeah. he, he might be retiring in a few years. You know, you never know. So, yeah. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. So we wrap up today's show. Lakina. Let me bring up this topic to you as we have a couple of minutes left. I was watching the Milwaukee Bucks in the Sacramento Kings game via my computer <laughs> on Sunday. And guess what I saw? And my eyes did not deceive me. What did you see? I saw fans in the stands. Hmm. Let me repeat myself. I saw some fans in the stands. And which I'm going to relate this to what's going on around the baseball world and what's going on around our city of Chicago, which we are broadcasting from. I don't know if you saw the news over the weekend, Lakina, but Dr. Anthony Fauci said that he's hopeful for fans coming in, um, uh, for fans going to baseball games this season. But if you follow our show, we told you that fans, uh, we thought that we're going to be seen at games this year, but it depends on how many. I'm still on that track. I'm not going to back down from that. Which brings me to the city of Chicago, Lakina. Do you think that at some point this season, going to our basketball and hockey teams, do you think that the United Center will be open up to fans? If they are, it's going to be at limited capacity. We've got to accept that. Do you think around March or April that um, provided that both of our teams will have realistic shots at the playoffs, do you think that Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Governor J.B. Prisker, Governor of Illinois, do you think they'll, they'll allow the United States to open up to fans? Well, because for the backdrop, the state of Wisconsin opened up Lambeau Field for Green Bay during their two home playoff games, mm -hmm. and nothing happened there. And they opened up Fiserv Forum for them for the Milwaukee Bucks fans. Why is that not ha happening here in Chicago? And I know it's been low as of this broadcast, 3.2% of the positivity rate for COVID-19. Well, I know they're not going to open up at this minute, but if we keep at this rate by the end of March or April, 
Do you I, think it's a really shot of the United Center being open to fans? That's, I think there's always a shot, right? I mean, I think, you know, people are more and more folks getting vaccinated, which is great, mm -hmm. but there's still a big disparaging among, you know, among the races, among ethnicities too. So um, I think, you know, folks are still, I know here in, in Illinois, you know, they've, I think like dining, it's like indoor dining is like at 40%, which look, I'm not doing that yet. I'm not at that point yet. But um, I think, yeah, I think there's a shot. I mean, look, a lot, a lot can happen between now and April, I would say. I'll use April as probably the best example because I think that's probably the most realistic chance of we're going to see some sort of fans. You're not going to see packed house at the UC. That's just not going to happen this season. It's just not. Mm -hmm. I actually had a friend ask me because his wife's a big White Sox fan. You know, they live in Ohio. They want, they're going to be coming here in a couple of months to visit and they want to go to a White Sox game. Well, I told him that, look, a lot of the tourist attractions, especially here in Chicago, are still closed or limited. So, look, that's not to say that in a couple of months that will change. But right. but right now it's not. I think, you know, you still – I think some people are, are afraid of the variants. You got, like, three or four like – by like a half dozen different variants out there, you know, that you don't know what the vaccine will defend it against. We still don't know that part yet. Mm -hmm. And and also, too, I mean, you don't know – you know, you got some of these super spreader events. You got the, you know, the, the tournament and – you know, some of the other stuff is going to be coming up too. So I think, yes, I know, I'm sure, yes, I'm sure folks are suffering from COVID fatigue, but look, we're right kind of like at the finish line. We're kind of like right down the home stretch. So it's going to be a few months before, you know, we can kind of get, you know, fans in the stands. So if there are fans, you know, in a couple of months, it's going to be probably 20, 25% max, I think, for mm -hmm. the rest of the season. Now for baseball, you know, they, they started a couple, they started about a little over a month. There won't be any fans. Now, will that change by May, by May or June? You know, we'll see. But I think right now, I think you got it's going to be, it's a process. You kind of like, you got to take it slow. And little by little, they'll probably add more and more after the positive rates go down. But I think folks need to kind of like, you know, just, you know, just be a little bit, be patient a little while, just a little bit longer. Now, I will kind of act with this, Lakina. It sounds like baseball, they're going to, if, if this gets approved, of course, you got to work with the, your local uh, government and state officials. Uh, their plan is to have, with everybody, um, with all the states, I'm talking about baseball now, open up at 25, you know, like you said, 25% max capacity. I was watching a, a, a program on the Yes Network in New York City via my computer, and they said that um, – uh, they're going to open up Yankees Stadium at 10% capacity. And, you know, the Yankees, have, have, along with the Red Sox and the Cubs, have the three highest ticket prices in, in the league. And so that's really huge for we, – you, we all know that New York City has gone through it, and they were one of the cities that got hit the worst during the beginning of this pandemic. So to open it up at 10% is, is, is something – uh, obviously, I think it, it, it'll have to increase over time, but they're going to open it up at 10%, right? Everybody else is trying to open up at 20%. I know Dodger State, I was listening to some L.A. radio stations over the weekend, and they said that you can have some Dodgers fans in there sooner rather than later. I already said this, Lakina, and I think I said this on this program before. I'll say it again. You will have fans in these stadiums for baseball this season. It's just a matter of when. Now, how many, you go, how many of these cities are going to have fans in there for opening day? I'm not sure, but you're going to have fans in there this season, and it's going to be between 20 and 25 percent, as as you said. So we just had to get to, used to that for this season. Now it's not a question of if; it's a matter of when. And this is going to be beyond 
COVID at this point. It's all about economics from here on out. Oh yeah, that's why that's why I wouldn't be surprised if you see the UC go to maybe twenty to twenty five percent, you know, later in the season, especially as you get closer and closer to the spring and you know, as it get warmer and warmer and mm-hmm. more and more folks get vac- vaccinated and the vaccines are becoming more and more available. So I think like I said before, folks need to sort of just be patient and look, we're right at the, the cusp of this thing, you know, getting down to the wire here. And even then you're probably still gonna have to wear a mask. You know, Dr. Fauci also said that, look, mm-hmm. you're still probably gonna have to wear a mask, even, you know, if they are allowed fans, you know, just to sort of, you know, yeah. to say, well, everything. So you're still gonna have to wear a mask in, in, in a lot of various, you know, places around. So it, yeah, things might get back to normal. I'm going, I'm quoting, air quoting here, for those who are gonna be, watch, be watching this in YouTube, quoting normal, but, Again, I'm sure we'll see fans, but it's going to be at a distance. It's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be at a distance. It's going to be not going to be a lot of, a lot of people. Like you said, it is going to be about economics at this point. So, mm-hmm. especially with baseball, but we'll see. I mean, will it happen sooner? Maybe, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count my chicks before they hacks before they hatch in that front. So, well, they, I think yeah. people just need to be patient right. a little while longer. No, I'm finished. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're recording this on February 22nd. Things could change within the month. I think a lot is going to happen with uh, with the spring training games. Yes, it's in Arizona, but but it, it, there's going to be limited fans there as well. I think a lot is going to happen to judge to see what's happening in, with the attendance in these spring training games with limited capacity. And also, too, with many of these, of these teams that are on the come up, like the, the White Sox here in Chicago, these teams need to get back and make money period is is if the question is how soon will that happen is sooner is better than rather than rather than later because let's be realistic the stands won't be empty forever it's just the matter of what's the process of getting these fans back in these stages because the teams need to make money because 60 percent of the revenue comes from fans the other 40 percent comes from concessions television and things along that line so uh these teams cannot operate in the red forever yeah, like, well, well, we'll see. I mean, like you said, I think they have to, they have to think about green at this point. So we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. what they does. We'll see what they do. Yeah. All right. Um, quick shout out here. A couple of shouts in the Aussie Open and the tennis front. Congrats to Naomi Osaka, who won her fourth Grand Slam, her second Aussie Open. You know, also nice showing by American Jennifer Brady. Um, but, you know, Osaka was just too much for her. She wins in straight sets to win her fourth, you know, Grand Slam title. Has to, now she has to start doing it with, you know, with the clay court season. Sorry, you know, let's see how she does outside the hard courts. You know, let's see how she does in Wimbledon and in a, especially the French Open coming up in a few, in a couple of months. So I want to see how she does there. Also, too, Novak Djokovic winning his ninth Aussie Open, his 18th overall, being Dmitry Medvedev, you know, in, in straight sets. But, you know, just that that's sort of like his his uh, his playground, Rod Laver Arena. You think he's under, he's like, 50 like 50 something and oh at Raleigh Arena so you know a nice showing by both 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 players and let, let's see how he does as we get closer to uh we get to the French Open you know the clay court season starting in a few in a, about a month or about a month from now all right let's wrap this baby up oh wait no don't forget uh Deion Sanders we gotta shout out to him on oh his, yes uh, you know we had to talk about that real quick yeah congratulations to Deion Sanders so he, Again, his first victory, they won their first game on Sunday, 53 to nothing. But he had his stuff stolen out of his uh, office after the game. He was so upset, and rightfully so. And then, of course, Jackson State came out with the statement saying, well, 
those items were quote unquote misplaced and we found them. And Deion Sanders said they weren't misplaced. Someone stole them. I got them back, but that was a weird situation. To, uh, he had a uh, he had a great victory in his opening game debut. He gets the Gatorade bath, and then something stupid like this overshadow tries to overshadow his accomplishments. This makes no sense to me. It's, it's definitely some miscommunication there. Apparently, I guess, you know, the, the rumors were that it just moved it into a different, a more secure area in his, I guess, in his office, so to, like, keep him out of the way. But then, you know, somebody else said they saw somebody trying to take his stuff, and it, it's just really crazy. But, again, I think, that unfortunately, this is sort of, you know, pushing aside the headline that he won his first game. His good friend, you know, and teammate and fellow Hall of Famer Troy Aikman was there to support him. Mm -hmm. You saw the video, you know, that was just posted this morning on his Instagram, you know, just a, you know, just, you know, he said, like he said, he wouldn't miss us for the world. So, but, but, you know, Aikman's been very consistent in supporting his teammates and good friends. You know, he said all his teammates were really good friends. You know, he always supports them in whatever endeavors, you know, whether it's coaching, business, that kind of stuff. So, you know, props to him and also props to, 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 to Mr. Sanders for his first win, despite all the weird stuff that happened afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully good things to have for him in that program. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, um, you know, look, if you guys are football, like I said, if you guys are football um, starved and look, there's the FCS games going on, you know, there's gonna be some more games this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that, but you know, but it's, you know, look, if you're a football, you know, football starved, you know, look, you're going to be seated in various streaming services. So they'll, they'll be right there for you. Yep. And on now that, you can wrap it up. <laughs> yes, I can. And on that note, so you can follow me at Kingdom McGee on the Twitter and at Kingdom underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, uh, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, for more information on articles in our podcast and the way you can get your podcast from not just this show, Second City Sport, but, but all the other podcast program from the folks at good folks at War Media. You can search for it on War on Anchor wherever you download your podcast. Just type in that search engine box, W A R R on Anchor, including the iHeartRadio app. And also, we're on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W A R R Media. You can not only listen to us but watch us do our thing live. As we apologetically fund, we appreciate your support. Thank you very much. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. All right, so it's going to be like the Cook Islands here for the next week, folks. It's going to be above freezing, finally. Yay! Melt heat some wave. Of... Yeah, <laughs> woo It's going to be melting some of this snow. So, some of you folks in Texas know uh, uh, the temperatures yeah. getting back to above. Our hearts and yeah. are, are with you uh, going through that. Because you, you guys rarely get that type of weather down there. Yeah, agree. so, yeah, just, just uh, awful. So this has been happening down there, but... You know, getting a lot of help, you know, a lot of federal help, and also too, like you said, it is finally above freezing down there. So hopefully things will start getting back to normal, and people can kind of, mm -hmm. you know, get back to their normal lives down there. They're also up here too. You know, it seems like we'll see if it it'll be a ways out. You know, if it's going to be finally spring here, but you know, it's nice to see that you know we'll be able to melt some of this snow up here. <laughs> yeah. All right, but still, you know what? Keep your hands washed, wear your mask, keep your distance, and be safe out there, folks, and be good to each other. For Sid, I'm McKenna. This has been Second Seed Sports Zoom, Zoom style, and we'll see you this weekend. Till next time, holla! <laughs>